Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, welcome back to Making a Disney Fan. We have a special episode for you this week. We had promised a look at The Little Mermaid, but unfortunately we had to change our plans a little bit. Our own Brandon is currently doing really cool things. He's in film school, so he had to take the month of April to make a short film. So, instead of canceling our episode for the month, we decided to give you your very first Making a Disney Fan one-shot which is essentially a special feature episode. So for this month, you get just me, your host, Sarah, without Brandon and Zach, and I have a special guest, our very own podcast artist and my close personal friend slash sister, Becca Riley. Hello, Becca. Hello. It's very nice to have you here. How are you today? Pretty good. That's good. Uh, So basically what we're going to do today is... We're going to talk to Becca about the art of Disney because obviously she is our podcast artist and I know personally that she enjoys the art of Disney because we go pretty far back. (laughs) Just a bit. Just a bit. Maybe 29 years almost. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's crazy. But before we get into that, I do have some questions to ask her just so that we can all get to know her a little bit and her Disney experiences. So... Let's dive right in. So, Becca, my first question for you is, what are your earliest Disney memories? My earliest Disney memory, in particular one memory, is very distinct and very special to me. I went to see Beauty and the Beast twice in 1991 when I was two years old. I don't remember the first time because I was two. (laughs) But I do remember the second time because I distinctly remember hiding behind the seats so I could warn my dad about the scary parts that were coming up. And I just think that's a really cool memory. My first movie in a theater was a Disney movie and was actually a re-release of 101 Dalmatians. I don't really remember much about that though except actually going to the theater and waiting for the movie to start. Right. That makes sense. I'm sure dad appreciated you warning him about stuff. Oh, I need to protect him. Of course. He needs that. Uh, What is your favorite Disney movie? My favorite Disney movie is, hands down, The Little Mermaid. I think a lot of kids have a Disney movie that is theirs, so to speak, and The Little Mermaid is definitely mine. It came out the same year I was born, so I've literally grown up with it. I love everything about The Little Mermaid. Story, music, casting, and of course the artwork. It was a huge turning point for Disney, and it still holds up to this day as a true classic, and not just for animated movies, but for movies in general. I'm 32 years old, and it was the movie I watched the most last year. That checks out. (laughs) That makes sense. What is your favorite Disney memory? My favorite Disney memory? Yeah. Uh, That's hard to pick because it's a prominent thing in a lot of my memories. However, something happened last year that blew my mind and will be treasured in my mental Disney vault forever. I drew a silly derby picture of Ariel and posted it to Instagram, where Jodie Benson, voice of Ariel, liked it. I cried when I got the notification, and my hands were shaky as I notified everyone I knew, whether they cared or not. I cared. I was pretty excited when you sent me that. That was really cool. It was very cool. 
And what do you think makes you a Disney fan? I think what makes me a Disney fan is just how much time I've spent actively seeking it out and how happy it makes me. I want to watch every movie, I want to learn every possible behind the scenes tidbit. It inspires a lot of the artwork I made and it also inspires my conversations daily. I love everything about the magic of Disney and I especially love expressing this love with other fans, such as you. Such as me, that makes sense. So you would say that this podcast will not be making you a Disney fan, you are already there for sure. Um, 100%. Next to Zach, you're definitely the biggest Disney fan I know, but I think he does top you with his knowledge. Oh, yeah. I would love (laughs) to see a showdown between you two. Maybe that'll be another special feature episode later. (laughs) We'll do a one-shot of Disney trivia between you two. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Brandon picked up a trivia game for us to potentially use for an episode somewhere down the line, so we'll have to see how that goes. Maybe we'll... Brandon and I can host and you guys can showdown, because... He knows a lot of stuff. It would be interesting to see where the knowledge crosses over and where we have different, like, niches. Yes, definitely. That would be very interesting to see. So that kind of gives a background of Disney for Becca. Uh, I can definitely say for sure that she is a huge Disney fan, like we said. I obviously grew up with her. I'm probably a bigger Disney fan because of her. You had no choice. Yeah, I really had no choice. Also, fun fact. So... Last month, we talked about Snow White, and I said I didn't have any memories of watching Snow White as a kid, but Becca informed me there there is something to share about that. <laughs> you told me that I used to watch it all the time. Right, yeah. You did. You watched it a lot when you were really little. Yeah, I have zero memory of that. I'm sure Dad loved it, because he informed me after we released that episode that he's glad to know he's not the only one that thinks Snow White is boring, so... It's- so boring. Yeah, so I'm sure he loved that I was watching that on repeat. So moving into the topic of this episode, the art of Disney. I would like to know, first off, what is your favorite Disney movie for just the art? You don't even have to think about this because the answer is immediately Sleepy Beauty. The medieval inspired artwork is stunning. Walt wanted it to be a moving illustration and it really, really is. I think that if you froze that movie, every single frame could be transferred into a storybook or into a frame and it would be perfect, like a perfect work of art. Mm-hmm. The artist Ivan Earl is largely responsible for the look of the movie and if you look up his artwork, you can really see that he has a distinct style that matches with Sleeping Beauty and it wouldn't be what it is without his contribution. You didn't ask for my second favorite, but I'm going to tell you my second favorite. Great. Pocahontas. Mm. The way they made the wind come alive makes me cry every time. So good. That movie is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love it too. Which I shared in our first episode. I love Pocahontas. What do you know about Disney art? That's such a broad question. Yes. (laughs) And I spent a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah. So I'm no expert. Disney art is something I've taken a large interest in over the years. The art alone in Disney films is a time capsule. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to take you through my thoughts here, era by era. Okay. A lot of this information I've come by through documentaries, Disney art books, the internet, and then just things I've noticed or heard or picked up on casually. Right. So when you watch the older movies from Snow White in 1937 to Sleeping Beauty in 1959 as the first chunk I'll go by, you really feel like you're looking at traditional hand-painted artwork because they're all storybooks brought to life. 
and you can feel that and see that. Mm-hmm. All of Disney's design is done to a degree by hand to this day, but when I watch something like Lady and the Tramp or Bambi, I feel transported into something really classically beautiful. Also included in this era are the package films like Fun and Fancy Free and Melody Time, which were a really good way for the Disney artists to be a bit more experimental while still kind of maintaining the classic style that they'd come to be known for. These early movies maybe aren't as exciting as later ones. Some of them are quite boring. Yeah. (laughs) But I really enjoy watching them and appreciating the hours upon hours upon hours of work that went into them. The artists I want to take note of in this era are Disney's nine old men. Les Clark, Mark Davis, Ollie Johnston, Milt Call, Ward Kimball, Eric Larson, John Lounsbury, Wooly Reitherman, which is my favorite name, (laughs) and Frank Thomas. These guys were the backbone of Disney's art and animation for the first couple decades and are true legends in the business at large. Mm -hmm. So the next little era is from 1961 to 1977, which is from 101 Dalmatians to The Rescuers. And these movies look a lot more watercolory and more sketchy. Mm. Like especially in 101 Dalmatians and Sword in the Stone and Robin Hood, you can sometimes almost like see the pencil marks Mm. and you can see that somebody not only painted this but drew these pictures right disney's always developing new techniques and it's really evident in this stretch in particular Mm -hmm. like they were using starting to use xerox machines to like duplicate cells and stuff like that okay i feel like they took some steps into really learning to stylize the designs of the human characters whereas in the older movies the humans look more classically human. Yeah. But in these movies, you have, for example, Cruella de Vil, Mad Madam Mim, and Miss Medusa, who are all ridiculous looking. Yeah. They're recognizable as humans, but they're so stylized and interesting to look at. Yeah. The next grouping is from 1981 to 1988, which includes The Fox and the Hound, The Black Cauldron, Great Mouse Detective, and Oliver and Company. You can see Disney dipping a toe into the style that would come later in the Disney Renaissance. Mm -hmm. I feel like these movies are kind of forgotten in a way. Like, you don't really hear anyone say that The Great Mouse Detective is their favorite movie. I've heard you say similar to things to that, because I know you love it. (laughs) I do really like it. Yeah. But it's, you just don't normally hear people. I know lots of people like it. I don't know anyone who doesn't like it. But these kind of get forgotten a little bit. But they have really nice artwork in them. Mm-hmm. And two artists I want to point out from this era, who are very well known aside from their work at Disney, are Tim Burton, mm. perhaps you've heard of him, maybe, <laughs> and Don Bluth. Mm-hmm. So these two guys didn't have terribly long or huge Disney careers, although Tim Burton has returned yeah. time and time again with different projects, yeah. just not as an animator or an artist. Right. Well... Not like pen and paper artist. Yeah, yeah, He's clearly an artist. Yeah. And then, but it led to him being able to do whatever he wanted. Like, it was good steps to take. Yeah, absolutely. And then Don Bluth, when he left Disney, he pioneered his own incredible animation studio. Yeah. With An American Tale, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Anastasia, Titan AE, like all of those. Pebble and the Penguin? Pebble and the Penguin. Yeah. Thumbelina. Yeah. Oh, I love Thumbelina. So good. Next up... Mm -hmm. We come to the art of the so-called Disney Renaissance, which is my favorite era. And I would talk about it all day long, every day, if people would let me. (laughs) Oh, well, this is your chance. I won't talk all day. 
That's good, because it's already 8 o'clock at night, so, you know. So, we go from Little Mermaid in 1989 all the way up to Tarzan in 1999, and you can really see the artwork getting better and better with each movie, as the artists were blending beautiful hand-painted scenes and characters alongside the newer artistry of CGI Mm -hmm. to create seamless and lovely-to-look-at movies. The fact that someone can draw a lion cub crying over his dead father, who is also drawn, and that makes grown adults weep, is a true testament to the skill of the Disney artists. Oh, absolutely. Like, obviously, the music plays a part, and the voice acting, but really, someone just drew a couple of lions crying, and you're just, your life is ruined. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, The artists really created a signature look to their princesses, in particular in this era, with the big doe-like eyes and tiny waists and everything. Right. And while it's nice to see princesses and female characters of the modern movies looking more true to a wider variety of female bodies, Mm -hmm. there's something really charming about Ariel and Belle and Jasmine. Yeah, I never looked at them growing up and thought, like, oh, I wish I had the tiny waist and everything. Me neither. Like, that wasn't what it was about. They're they're cartoons. I'm not a cartoon. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I can be short, short and stout, you know? Yeah. More like Mrs. Potts than Belle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is perfectly fine with me. Huge inspiration for me personally in this era is the artist Glenn Keane. You probably recognize his last name at least, and not just because he's a Disney legend, but his dad, Bill Keane, created the comic Family Circus. Oh, I love Family Circus. I have a couple Family Circus books in this room. Yeah, I noticed one on the shelf over there. Yeah. So, art runs in that family because Glenn's daughter, Claire, also has contributed to Disney and did a lot of the behind-the-scenes art <laughs> for Tangled. Oh, okay. Like, she designed um, the paintings Rapunzel does in her room and everything. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's like a family business a little bit. Yeah. Glenn Keane is the absolute artistic genius behind, specifically, Ariel, Marahute the Eagle, Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, and Tarzan. Wow. The way he draws his characters is breathtaking, and I recommend looking up behind-the-scenes videos of him, because it's really cool to watch him at work. Those characters really stand out. They're just real. Yeah. Like, Ariel, yes, is Ariel because of her voice, but also the way she moves and everything, and that's because of him. Yeah. He has such a talent for that. The next era, from 1999 to 2008, is where things started getting, in my opinion, more experimental in larger steps as Disney tried out new things as they navigated the move into all-computer animation all the time. Mm. There's certainly some treasures to be found here. In particular, if you watch Lilo and Stitch, you'll be treated to a lovely watercolor storybook. Mm -hmm. I challenge everyone to watch that movie and just appreciate the backgrounds, because they're so pretty. Yeah, I've always noticed that in Lilo and Stitch. Like, the background isn't moving, but it's a nice painting. Yeah, it's so pretty. Yeah. Every single background in that movie. Yeah, definitely. Chris Sanders is the artist behind the look of that movie. I had to look that up, because I was like, "Who, who did this? Yeah. You did such a good job. Yeah. And he really pushed for the watercolor look, and he designed the characters as well. And it all, even though the characters are not watercolor, and they're kind of, they're very stylized. Oh, definitely. It all works together. Yeah. And I'm so glad that he did that. Yeah. Next, I'm going to group together the movies from 2009 to the present. So we start with The Princess and the Frog, Mm. which was a welcome return to traditional 2D animation. Yeah. And it's really beautiful and artistically could fit with the movies of the 90s easily. Oh, definitely, yeah. 
it seems impossible with the, these new movies, with the CGI, that the details in the artwork get more and more realistic, yet also stylistic. Yeah. But the artists get to stretch their limbs and there's really no limit anymore to what they can create. Yeah. But it all starts with, you know, a sketch on paper. Yeah. Like, I would bet that the dancing donkeys in Encanto started off as a doodle. Probably. Because, you know, Lu- Louise is carrying around the donkeys, but what what if the donkeys were playing the violin? Or wiggling their hips around. Yeah. I have no proof of this. It's just a theory. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was true. Yeah. In in the newer movies with the CG, I just think the juxtaposition of the realism and the stylism is so fascinating. Like, Anna and Elsa are clearly cartoon characters, but the ice Elsa conjures up looks real enough to touch. Yeah. Like, it's un- unreal real looking. Yeah. It's mind-blowing, this newer artistry. Mm-hmm. And while the newer art styles aren't necessarily my favorite... There's a lot of facets to appreciate. Yeah, definitely. I mentioned several artists of note by name, but I need to stress that there are so many, many more artists working on Disney movies. From background to lighting to storyboards, every single artist is so talented in their area of specialty. Over the past few years, I've been slowly following more and more of the modern artists on Instagram. It's really cool to see their work for Disney and how it relates to the work they do personally and their individual styles and everything. And then how it creeps into the movies or the TV shows. Yeah. That's that's what you know. That's what I know. That's a lot. That's pretty cool. So what do you like about Disney art? I know you've touched on that a few times throughout what you've been saying. but Clearly, I think I have a passion for the traditional artwork of Disney movies. Yeah. I really like watching a Disney movie and being able to see what media was used and the evidence that human hands brought the characters to life, or the backgrounds. I think that every Disney movie is beautiful in its own way, but I love focusing on a specific piece of each one that makes it unique, whether it's the matte background paintings in Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. which are incredible, Yeah. the gravel on the speedway in Cars, Yeah. or just the way Ariel's hair blows around her face as she sings about being a part of your world. Yeah. It's all very cool. It's so strange to watch a cartoon and it is real life yeah like so bizarre but so so cool and Mm -hmm. it doesn't the older stuff that doesn't look like real life it doesn't take you out of it at all you're so absorbed in it because it is so beautiful yeah and of course with the music the acting all that stuff that you touched on but very cool and what don't you like not much to be honest yeah That doesn't surprise me. I think there's merit in every generation and iteration of Disney artwork. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm not a fan of any of the old racist or insensitive caricatures that there have been over the years. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, Disney artwork is a time capsule. And unfortunately, it also encapsulates the bad stuff as well as the lovely stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that is a pretty good overview, I'd say. Of the art of Disney. We're gonna go off script, I guess. I don't know. I had sent Becca these questions ahead of time so she could prepare, but we're gonna chat a little bit longer. All right. This is fun. So, my next question for you is out of the upcoming Disney movies that we have heard about, what are you most excited for? I'm tentatively kind of excited for The Little Mermaid. But you're worried. Even about though it. I think it's not gonna be good. Yeah. Yeah. The... But I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. We were just talking about this, what, two days ago? Yeah. How the live action movies haven't always been great. Beauty and the Beast is great. The Jungle Book is great. 
I I did really like The Lion King also. The Lion King was good. Yeah, that one was. But I didn't like Oh, my my least favorite is Mulan. I haven't watched it. I you don't need to. Yeah. But also, <laughs> I really didn't like Cinderella. Yeah. And I know people really like that one, but I just don't. No, I'm with you on that. Also, I did really like The Lion King, but I had a hard time getting fully into it with some of the voice actors because of them being who they are, like Beyonce. It was really hard to accept her not as Beyonce, mm, but yeah. as a character. And Donald Glover a little bit, too. Whereas, like, Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, Those they were good. Those two perfect as Tamona Yeah, Puma. that was fine. I was good with that. With Although I do sometimes struggle with Billy Eichner just because I want to hear him scream at everyone like Craig on Parks oh, and Rec. My favorite character. Yes. <laughs> I remember when they released the cast list for both Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King with every new actor they posted. I was just yelling in my apartment like, yes, yes, yes! Yeah. <laughs> Did we still live together then? I feel like I remember uh, you maybe. getting excited. You may have just texted me, though. I pr- was telling a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of them didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> but you did. <laughs> of course I did. And with the Jungle Book, the voice acting, I didn't get taken out of it. Like, I went to a trivia night on Friday night that was... The theme was Disney owns everything. So it was touching on Disney, Star Wars, Marvel. Uh, there was an ESPN question. Like, everything, basically. Part of it was sound clips. You had to name the song or the actor or the musician or whatever. And they played a clip from I Want to Be Like You from the live action Jungle Book. And at first, I didn't hear that it was Christopher Walken. I just heard that it was King Louis. And I was like, oh, it's Want to Be Like You from the Jungle Book. We all wrote it down. And one of my teammates was like, write down Christopher Walken too. And I was like, really? And then they replayed it. And immediately I said, oh, that's obviously Christopher Walken. And one of the hosts even said, if you listen to this, you will know who it is. You just need to listen closer because it's pretty obvious. I really like that they got Bill Murray for Baloo. That was like, great. Eh, when they did The Jungle Book 2, mm-hmm. they had John Goodman as Baloo, and that was really good too. And yeah. it's cool that both those guys, like, they're totally different guys, mm-hmm. but both worked as Baloo because oh, they definitely. have... Baloo's about a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, not so much the voice. Yeah. What is in, let's say, the last... Five years. What would be your favorite of the Disney movies that have come out? The last five years? Yeah. So we have a list here of the last five years. I'm just going to go with the big Disney ones, not including like Marvel, Star Wars, all that stuff. That makes sense. That's not what we're talking about here. So Beauty and the Beast was in 2017. That was the first. No, that was the second one of 2017. The first one was March of the Penguins too, but we're going to skip that. Yeah, I didn't really chomp at the bit to go see that no. one. No. <laughs> so, Beauty and the Beast, Cars 3, let's see, Coco. I really liked Coco. Yeah. Incredibles 2, that, I love Incredibles 2. It, I yeah, it's that. pretty good. Christopher Robin, I don't know if I'd really count that in this. Did you watch Christopher Robin? I did. Did you like it? Of course I liked it. Winnie the Pooh, plus Ewan McGregor. It's my two, two of my favorite things in yeah. the world. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you go meet Jim Cummings when he came here? No, I went to his talk. Mm. We didn't meet him. So, for reference, for the listeners at our expo every year, of course, like expos and other places, we have celebrities come. So one year, Jim Cummings came, and one of the things that you could get from him was he would record a voicemail message for you. So we just got to stand there and listen to him record all of his characters. It was very entertaining. So next, Ralph Brinks the Internet. I wasn't a fan of that. Except for the Disney princess stuff, which was 
amazing. I love that so much. So good. Mary Poppins Returns. That was fun. Yeah. I was really happy with that one. Me too. I liked that a lot. I thought Emily Blunt was perfect. Mm-hmm. Dumbo. I haven't watched that one yet. Neither have I, which is surprising because I love Tim Burton. Yeah, it's just, just haven't gotten to it. Yeah. It, it kind of came out, didn't it come out before Disney Plus? So it was kind of in a weird time. Like, yeah. It's not really one I would have gone to in the theater, but yeah. I didn't have access to it. Right. That you know? makes sense. So I should make a, p- a point to watch it. Me too. We could watch it together. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we could. Aladdin. I, it was okay. I didn't love it. It was okay. Yeah. Toy Story 4. I really liked Toy Story 4. Me I thought too. it was cute. Yeah, I like it too. The Lion King. We already yeah. said we enjoyed that. Frozen 2. It's it's okay. I loved it. I would love it more if it... I just don't like Elsa. <laughs> <laughs> I have a fond memory of that because I took your daughter to see it. Right. Along with our mother. And I was pregnant when I saw that movie, and still early enough that I had felt the baby move, but not a lot, but she was having a dance party through that whole movie. And so I thought she would enjoy Frozen once she was born. It's taken some time, but we are in a phase right now where she watches Frozen and Frozen 2 on repeat every single day. So we've moved out of Encanto for a bit. (laughs) So she does love it now. Onward. Onward was okay. I really liked it. My daughter really liked it. Yeah. Oh, Hamilton. Ah. Don't think that counts, but... I liked it. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Mulan, you already said you didn't like that one. It just was so disappointing in every... I could... I could feel like an hour just talking about how disappointed I was (laughs) by that movie. But I can just go and watch... The original. The original. And just have a lovely time. How about Mulan 2? I haven't seen that. Really? Yeah. I haven't. We can watch it. Uh, Let's see. Soul... I actually had to stop watching that midway through because it was making me feel my feelings too much. Right, that's that makes sense. Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, I haven't finished watching that. I haven't watched. My it daughter either. really likes it though. Yeah. Cruella. I haven't watched that one yet. Me neither. Man, I'm really not sounding like a good Disney fan. Neither here. am I, and I host a <laughs> Disney podcast. Luca. Luca is so cute. Yeah. I love it so much. I've seen most of it. We put it on for Daisy one day, so it was just kind of in the background. But yeah, We watched it as a family one night, and we all really liked it a lot. That brings us to Encanto. I love Encanto. I also had to stop watching it because it was making me feel my feelings, <laughs> but I did go back to it and finished it, and now, so far, it's the movie I've watched the most this year. Yes. That makes sense. I've only watched Little Mermaid once this year so far. I'm falling mm, behind. You are. You are. And then finally Turning Red. That one's interesting because I feel like it's really targeted at preteen girls. Right. And I am not a preteen girl. Oh, that's true. However, that movie takes place in the time and year and place where I was a preteen girl. Yeah. So it was incredible watching them recreate basically where I went to school. Yeah. And, like, these girls even looked like my friends. Yeah. And everything. Like, it was very cool. That's interesting. And I was expecting it to hit me really hard and make me feel my feelings, but it didn't in the ways I thought it would. I ended up feeling more connected to, like, the mother Mm. and stuff, which just makes me feel a little old. (laughs) Well, I mean, you are a mother. I've known I'm old for a while, though, because I watched Little Mermaid, and I'm really on Team Triton here. (laughs) Ariel, 
does need to pin those fins to the floor. <laughs> yes, a little bit. I still haven't watched Turning Red because Daisy won't let me. Well, come watch it with my kid. Yeah, I'm going to have to because when I have free time in the evening, I'm doing other things. I'm not just watching movies. And so when I'm watching movies, it's with Daisy and all she wants is Encanto and then Moana and then Frozen. <laughs> she will not let me put it on. So yeah. I'll watch it eventually. Yeah, my daughter's been watching Turning Red on repeat. Yeah. Uh, swapping with like Encanto. Yeah. Next sleepover, we can watch it. So we went through all of those. Which one was your favorite in the last five years? Beauty and the Beast. Mm. Because I thought it was a really good live action adaptation. I know not everyone agrees with that, but I loved it. Yeah. And it was really an awesome experience going to see it. Like I bought my tickets as soon as they went on sale. We went with some friends. I uh, dressed like Disney bounded as Belle to go. Yeah. It was awesome. As soon as like the Disney castle appeared, I got chills, which I always do. But as soon as the music started, I was like, oh, they did it right, even though nothing had happened yet. <laughs> but That's I, awesome. I mean, I don't think it's a perfect movie by any means. I don't think it's better than the original. Yeah. But I think it, it made me feel all the right feelings That's going that I wanted to feel watching that movie. Yeah. Well, cool. I think to wrap it up, my last question for you is: out of all of the movies that we will be covering on this podcast which is just the main animated films. Mm -hmm. Which one are you most excited to hear about? Well, I'm quite excited to hear about The Little Mermaid. Well, Obviously, you don't have to wait I long. pretty much only talk about that movie. Yeah, I think you've already <laughs> shared some fun facts for my segment. It, probably. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to Little Mermaid, Sleeping Beauty, Pocahontas. Mm. For newer ones, I'd like to hear... Are you guys doing Pixar too? Yeah. I'd like to hear you talk about Brave. I really like that one a lot. Cool. Well, I think that it covers about everything. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure we will hear from Becca at some point again in the future because why not? You're yeah. a big Disney fan. You're around. I'm not doing anything else. Yeah. And as we have mentioned before, and will be in the credits, but I'm going to mention it again in case you don't listen to the credits, you can find Becca on Instagram. Where can they find you? At Becca Riley Art. That's B-E-C-C-A-R-E-I-L-L-Y Art. So go check that out. She does share Disney fan art of her own. Obviously, we've been sharing some Zach fan art on our page, but there is a whole wealth of stuff over the years on Becca's page. So check that out as well. And stay tuned because we will, hopefully, we are planning to be back next month with The Little our Mermaid. Episode. Yes, with our episode <laughs> on The Little Mermaid. Uh, assuming that no other life things get in the way, but you know, it happens. So we'll see. Maybe Brandon will be doing some other cool thing or maybe Zach will be doing some cool thing. I just stay at home with my daughter, so yeah, I'll hang, be here. You hang out with me sometimes. That's, that's that's pretty cool. Yes, that does not get in the way of the podcast, though, clearly, because you're just recording it with me this month. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, we will be back again next month. We will see you here, and as always, just keep swimming. <laughs>
All of our artwork is created by Becca Riley. You can go find her on Instagram at Becca Riley Art, spelled B-E-C-C-A-R-E-I-L-L-Y Art. Our theme song was written and performed by Marcus Beveridge. You can listen to more of his music on Instagram at marcus.and.sarah.music for forming alongside me, your favorite Making a Disney fan lady. We hope you'll come back for our next episode soon. Thank you for listening to Making a Disney Fan. We hope to see you next time. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.